is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Off the Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, and this time we have a Nas special. That's right, Nassar Kinsella from Evening Standard, London Standard. I don't know, it's all the same, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Hey, all that matters is it's Nas, the Chelsea. Uh, reporter extraordinaire. We always have the the Matt and Niz shows. I'm excited to get that back this summer. You think you're gonna be here stateside? Yeah, yeah, should yes. be. I think the whole tour as well. So plenty Ooh. of time to be together. It'll be beautiful. I'm excited for the uh, Ryan Reynolds exclusive. I'm sure you're working on. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, Come on, Ryan. Uh, yeah, anyways, we're going to be just touching on stuff around the club because as you were saying at the beginning, it hasn't been a really fun season for you to watch Chelsea in the stands this season. I guess like, get, go ahead, let's kick it off there with kind of your some summation of the season for you covering it. You've gotten to see some amazing highs. This is definitely the low, low, low mm-hmm. of your probably tenure covering Chelsea, I'd imagine. I know, yeah, it's been it's been quite sad, really. I must say, um, you know, I might not take it in the same way as fans, but I, I I kind of do feel like the pain a lot. You know, you're in the stadium and and you see Chelsea dropping points week in week out and bad narratives coming out, and you don't want to tell those stories. You want to tell the good stories as much as you can, or at least have a mix of both. But it seems way too much down the negative route, and I think that yeah, I kind of like you know, it's kind of much harder job really being a reporter when you're always writing negative news you want to give people some hope some happiness that's what football's about right it's about joy and excitement and things like that so uh, I found that bit uh, challenging and stuff like that Um yeah so it's been a tough year and also seeing the boys you know I get to see them uh, especially like you know you think about your pre-season tours it's quite a slow vibe you get to see these guys know what they're about know how hard they work and stuff just isn't coming together for him. So, like individually, all these people around Chelsea, I have so much respect for. I mean, depends. You know, it doesn't matter if they're working in the sort of hierarchy, the top echelon of the club, or or kind of like you know youth players trying to push their way in. I have so much respect for all these guys. So yeah, I'm looking forward to them turning it around, turning the narrative a bit more positive. And I, I'm sure they will. I'm sure everyone will will have their day, but. This is just a, this is just a season where Chelsea are the punching bags, and unfortunately, uh, you know, I've had to write along those lines and be quite critical. And, and in a sporting sense, it it has been quite poor, unfortunately. I've accepted it. Like I don't even get riled anymore. You know, maybe a little bit after the World Cup, I was still fighting the good fight, Naz. But it's uh, like it's to the point you can't right. You just have to accept what it is, and the only thing we can do is hope. Hope, hope that it all gets settled in this eight months between all these new pyres in the back office between the the next season starting. Because if you learn by making mistakes, you'd imagine we learned a lot this season, Naz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Chelsea just had unbelievable transition. I've been in businesses that have had takeovers go on and people do get fired. People do get replaced it feels as an employee sometimes like what the hell is going on? And that's a bit of what Chelsea, I think, feels like for some of the players. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of normal. You hope that they get to a point where the identity of the new ownership is stamped throughout the club and, and it's really a winning one. They want to win. Uh, they're trying to win. They're trying to keep that that alive. You know, you look at the transfers and it shows intent, but it's just a team sport. You've got to come together and... And never, ever also before has the Premier League been more ruthless and difficult as it is this season. I think that 
Premier League football is the highest level of football. So if you drop off 10%, those Brightons are going to come for you and absolutely nail you. Yeah, all the clubs are really well run, really well financed. So Chelsea just needs to get everything sort of coming together. This is a team sport. It's not even just the squad we're talking. You need top back room. You need everything firing on all cylinders to get this club back up. And, and of course, they need the manager, which is the big topic right now. Come on, get Pochettino in. Let's talk about him. It gives everyone a hope and a push for the future. So we're just waiting for that last bit of news now. Um, and it feels like it's just a case of go and announce it, really. Go and get him in the building, get him to sign the deal and then announce it. But yeah, it's never done until it's done, unfortunately. One can only hope at this point. I mean... Uh, I mean, there's a lot to un unpack there. So if we talk about Potch, to me, it's probably just a timing thing. Is there really anything to gain of announcing it right now? I mean, Lampard, did I did I read that he turned like he publicly turned down the job? Not that he knew he was ever going to get it, but even was like kind of like wiping his hands and walking away from this. Obviously not project, but interim duty that he had obviously came out the quotes about Carney Chukwameka saying like, look, I got to look after my future. I, it just, it really is all unraveling right at the very end. Like, can we just skip your United on Thursday? Can we just skip Super Sunday and like all go on holiday? It's getting bad. I would love to skip it. Honestly, it's, <laughs> it's actually really hard to cover. Really hard. Like the level of football is low. I think everyone wants to move on. There's a few good narratives. I wrote about Lewis Hall playing well. Uh, but other than that, yeah. I mean, I was in the press room for the, the Man City game. And it was quiet. There wasn't many journalists there for Chelsea, for Lampard. Uh, the players didn't want to speak. They they kind of, you know, they got smiles. They're being professional, but they want to go home and get to the end, it feels like. And yeah, it was sat in the room with Frank Lampard, asked him quite a few questions because there was no, no, not no other journalists, but very few. We had the Athletic in there, Football London, one or two of the other newspapers, and that was about it. And everyone was upstairs watching Pep Guardiola's team lift the trophy, watching the celebrations and all that. So it felt very strange. I've I've rarely been covering Chelsea where it felt like a bit of a sideshow, but hey, you've got to use this as fuel, right, to, to push. Um, and yeah, with the Lampard thing, he was kind of asked in the press conference uh, if he would work as a sort of sidekick for the new manager, um, the next manager, and he said no. Like it's, he probably wouldn't be welcome. And the, the other thing is, like he wants to be a head coach. That's his, that's his whole thing. So yeah, I think that that was an uh, an item. I think people have got quite upset about his Carney Chuckman maker quotes, haven't they? Where he's they have. He's sort of saying, you know, um, he's our player. We've got a we, we've got a right to use him. And and I want to clarify something actually on this pod. This is actually Chelsea's right, like you know, legally in the in the football legislation, they are allowed to keep players if they want outside international windows. So yes, maybe it would have been better for Carney to go and play a few more minutes for England under 20s. But uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's Chelsea's right to keep him and, and Lampard's in a position to do so. So um, yeah, I think also part of the problem, I think that some of the sort of Twitter conversation was quite accurate on it. I think Lampard, sort of surprised people he's made sort of short-term decisions as an interim to try and benefit himself to to kind of look good he's not this kind of coach that he was before bringing the youth through giving them quick chances and stuff like that but okay to try one win over a big team be it man united or newcastle just to maybe enhance his reputation so 
But understandably, in the circumstances, you probably are going to be a little bit selfish. And it doesn't matter if you're a club legend or somebody who has no connection to Chelsea. You've got to take your chance. Football is very few chances at this level. So I think that what he's trying to do is, I'll keep Carney. Um, he might be important in a game off the bench and and fans are frustrated because he could be starting for England, right? And getting better development, maybe. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. If you had a long-term manager in, you could maybe make long-term decisions, but they have a short-term manager in who's making, guess what, short-term decisions. 100%. That's what I was talking about in our group chat as well. You know, uh, if anyone wants to be mad, they need to be mad at the the leadership of the club. Like, they, we're in this situation because of the decisions they've made. Like, I think Lamps probably, once once Real Madrid was over and he just saw how broken the, the, the situation is, I'm sure that's when he realized, like, it doesn't matter what I do. I can't build anything in seven games, whatever it is. Like, it just is what it is. I need to keep my reputation intact. And we have seen that. And remember, everyone was like, why is Ziyech playing? I'm like, Lampard was key in signing Ziyech. He likes Ziyech. And, uh, like, it's not really a surprise. Pulisic has seen five minutes plus stoppage time this entire run. And maybe he hasn't been fit. We don't really know. Um, you know, Benoit Batishil hadn't really played, but now we find out he's got an injury thanks to you, Naz, which we'll touch on a little bit. But I, I, I get it. And, like, if people are upset that short-term decisions are being made, like, look at the situation we're in. No, like, there's no one there to govern it any different. And there was no... Um, you know, uh, who was the longtime assistant, Steve, who's in England, Holland, to be there to kind of create that continuity. There, It doesn't exist. So we'll have to wait and see. We're going to take our first ad break and we get back more on Lewis Hall and kind of how Naz has seen him go and then why we're going to miss Betty Shield for a lot longer than we thought. Thanks to sponsors. We'll be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company, independently built, that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it, they'll give you a new pair, or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, Thanks to Lost and Broken Replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right, LONDONISBLUE, all caps, spelled just like the podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to right now, you can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. All right, so my boy Lewis Hall, a center mid that moonlights as a left back and a left wing back in case of emergency break glass. Uh, He had a great article outlining uh, Lewis Hall, the fact that he hadn't played in a long time and all of a sudden just pops up and has to play against... uh, the reigning champions, well, I guess, as they were crowned, he, look, he has not hurt himself. Has he been brilliant every single minute? No. But, like, if this 
is his secondary position in the Premier League. Like, wow, that is so impressive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you forget how young he is as well. 18, man. Like, it's a wonder kid status, this. 18. Most of the even... dev squad, right? They're like 19, 20, 21 at that age. And he's just out of high school or primary and playing with grown men at the top end of the Premier League table. Exactly. This is when he made his debut for Chelsea. He was still playing cricket with his mates. Like he, he, you know, professional footballs aren't allowed to play two sports, but he was so young that he had a cricket team as well. Then he's brilliant at cricket, apparently. He can do everything at cricket, which is kind of similar to how he is at football. He's kind of this all rounder who's pretty technically sound, like physically strong as well. My one concern is maybe his engine. He needs to get that up a little bit for wing back. And, and Frank Lampard was saying, and this was some of the questions I was asking him about Lewis Hall, um, that he needs to be more vocal. Like he's not. He's not got that kind of like leadership presence on the pitch yet. He's quite an introvert, introverted character. So I think that that needs to come on as well. But you can learn those two things, the engine and the and the talking side of things. There's many introverts that are world-class players. So, um, yeah, I think that he's been he's been a really good, positive outcome from this season. Um, not looked out of place in the nine games. I mean, he's looked better than a lot of the senior players, a lot of the new signings, people like that. And I think sometimes when it's an academy player, we we almost expect too much or we think, oh, we can just send him out on loan and forget about him and maybe in two years it'll be even better. But you've got to say that he's kind of like, it was a sink or swim to play against Man City and he's he's sort of swam, really. He's not he's obviously not the best player on the pitch, but he played against Riyad Mahrez, who I think's a real world-class winger. So he absolutely did brilliantly against Mahrez. There's one bit where... Mares tried to skin him and he uh, made a really well-timed sliding tackle and it was like all or nothing tackle and he timed it to perfection. Um, he created the best chance of the game, most touches in the opposition box, most chances created, two great shots. Uh, one of them took a really good save from Ortega. He's a really good shot stopper, the City backup goalie. So, um, yeah, I think he's a really good player and he's played nine games for Chelsea this season. He, 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 he was in the team sort of in the winter period during the injury crisis. And he played against Man City in all three games. Um, of course, Chelsea lost them, but he played well in those games. He outperformed Rico Lewis, who is considered a top prospect in England and for Man City in in, in those games that he played. Um, played against Newcastle, played away at Newcastle, away at Fulham, away at Liverpool. This man only takes on the hard challenges. Like, he's not, he's not exactly playing the easy games, is he? He's not playing... Um, yeah, you know, Bournemouth at home or something like that. This guy's getting chucked in at the deep end. And again, Man City away when they're winning the title. So, yeah, um, he looks really good. I'd be really excited about him. And I hope, and Chelsea need to be careful because they've already got a big squad. I hope they give him space to thrive. And the article had a bit of that, like there's two left-backs ahead of him at the minute. There's also Ian Matson, who's a great prospect. So how's that going to work? You've got maybe signing a new central midfielder as well. So that knocks him down the pecking order. Like if Chelsea care about him and think he's good enough, I think he's good enough, but if they think he's good enough, they have to give him a little bit of space. And and Pochettino's the kind of manager who likes homegrown. I'm learning a lot about that recently. He he really likes the homegrown guys. He wants English guys part of this team. So there needs to be a little bit of space for Lewis Hall or, or people like him to, to come through. And he's, He's the only breakthrough academy player really this season. So it's even more important that he gets a a glimmer uh, of hope in this first team. Well, and maybe you can expand on that because like, again, Chelsea fans are going to say, yeah, he's been in the academy. He loves 
the club. Like he wants to make a name for himself. We even saw the Man City on Sunday. They put in Rico Lewis, right? They put in a bunch of players with 80s in their numbers. <laughs> you know, guys that aren't seeing a lot of minutes. But Pep was like, go out and prove to me that you should be in the Premier League in my team. And they did that. Same thing here. Lewis Hall's like, wow, what an amazing opportunity. I can either show Chelsea I'm good enough or show other Premier League teams that I'm good enough. But then on the pre-match presser, Lampard says only some players are showing commitment to Chelsea. This was your article from Friday. Is there more context to that? Or like, how are you interpreting Lampard's words in that? Because I think as fans, we definitely were like, duh. Like, obviously, I also empathize with the players. I feel like the club has put them through an extreme amount of adversity this season as well. So like, I, I tend to balance it out. But um, is there like, I guess, how do you connect the dots between the two, maybe with Lampard's pre-match presser? Yeah, I think that Lampard's been quite cautious about giving young players minutes and and then, uh, but at the same time, you start kind of complaining that players aren't showing enough passion or aggression. And, and you kind of say that's probably more the older players who are frustrated with the situation, maybe have options to move abroad or to other clubs or whatever, uh, that he's kind of, you know, speaking about like that. And I think that, maybe the youth players can be in a sort of answer to that problem that he spoke about pre-match that some of his players, he wouldn't name names, but some of his players, he's not as happy with their commitment, the way they're playing, the effort they're showing. Of course, Chelsea don't have a lot to play for late in the season, but I think fans just want to see players showing passion and making tackles like the Arsenal game, the Arsenal first half for me, that was one of the most unforgivable moments of football I've seen and, and a lot of the punditry around it was correct like just to not make tackles is is just unbelievable to it's me it's fundamental it's fundamental and and for the three goals i remember only only noni madueke who hadn't even got near the team at that point only he made a tackle to try and stop any of the goals and i'm like goalies try and make a tackle and noni's tackle was poor but he's not a, he's not a defensive player so it would be uh but it was just like god at least he at least he tried so it's those kind of moments i think lampard is talking about where you're talking absolute basics like if you don't do that in amateur football you'll get screamed at by your captain so um yeah i think that if you have youth players they'll automatically do that cuz they're trying to prove a point and and it's difficult i think for some of the stars uh, who who are now battling in mid-table with nothing to play for to do those things because they expect better and they're really frustrated. Um, but they've got to do it because Chelsea fans are paying their money. They expect a lot. They want something to be proud of, at least on a 90-minute basis, uh, just to hang on to for next season. So I think that, yeah, maybe Lampard could have been brave with some of his lineups and just been like, look, you're not putting the effort, you're out. So, <laughs> Then you get Lewis Halls in, maybe even more guys down the academy. I'm sure, sure Phil would want a lot more of those guys too. So uh, yeah, I, I think you're always going to guarantee it with with those kind of players. Yeah, I mean we've seen it with Connor Lampard's loved Connor, and I bet if he had Mason, Mason would be playing as well. But you know, long term fitness there, maybe some contract issues. Uh, but those are the types of players who are stepping up in an, in an adverse time of the season. To your point, a lot of these established pros looking ahead to the summer, they want to go in healthy. No one wants to go in with an unnecessary knock. Kova is probably just sitting around trying to get healthy right now, which, to be fair to him, long-term of the club is more important. These games don't matter. I think, yeah, as fans, we would have liked to see a little bit more rotation. Some of the names that continue to get trotted out, and you're kind of like some moans and groans a little bit. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see with two games left. But uh, excited to see Lewis Hall uh, and some of the others 
step up and shine in these opportunities. And to be fair, there have been some key players that have shown up and continued to work hard. I thought Enzo ran a socks off yesterday, even though there wasn't much going on. Yeah, yeah. I think Enzo's been probably a slight bright spark, really, in the season. Um, he looks like he can do it. I think everyone's sort of convinced by him, aren't they? And he can do all different types of jobs, which is great. Um, Lampard picked out Ruben, who I didn't play, think thought think play that well yesterday, but he... He did put himself about a bit, so I think it was a, a, an uptick, but we don't want to get carried away by these sort of small improvements, and we don't know. How do you measure yourself against Man City's second string? You don't really know, but Lewis Hall definitely looks decent, so I think that that's the, on, that's the only thing I could have written about from the match was... It looks good. It looks good, man. <laughs> and, and that's the problem. All right. It's been a season of inconsistency. It, you, you get bright spots, even with Ruben. We've seen some great performances. We've seen some performances to forget. Part of that is the inconsistency. Trevo's come in, and I'm like, man, he looks so good at right back. To your point, Lampard now puts him at left center back. We're like, okay. And like, what does that mean for these players? Like, they're they're just getting chopped and changed and moved all over. We're playing a back four a couple weeks, and we play back three, then back to back four. Like, watch United probably go back to back four even though i think aren't you guys playing back three most of the time uh no i think back, back four. to back four yeah. all right so yeah. so he's gonna line up and try to match like i i'm predicting it now right like more changes for united on thursday i know no 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 teams made more changes than chelsea in that sort of way so and a lot of them are enforced you know we've we talk a bit about the medical in a minute and a lot of there's so many injuries and actually i was looking at the injury table before the match and chelsea were already top uh, and then Jao Felix pulls out the warm up, so you've got it's just like constant. Like it is, it is kind of hard. Um, it just it's sort of symptomatic of a club in chaos. Lampard's trying to find some sort of formula. He's not found it. He's not going to find it. We know he's not going to find it. We might as well forget about it now. It doesn't matter what formation he plays, but it just feels like it's not working. I think even. And I, I, I actually skipped a few games, uh, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, but I've watched the uh, extended highlights of both. And and yeah, you look at those games and, and you feel like the Forest draws a decent result, but it's not. It's not. And no. then the Bournemouth one, they had their chance as well. So it was like they had their chances just before Chelsea scored. So it's like, man, you just, everything's a lottery right now. It's like the best Chelsea could do is hope to get a, a lucky win, maybe fight. The, the the character of the team is becoming a fighting mid-table team. There's no quality or teamwork in there. Um, and that's what Pochettino needs to bring and what he does. And, and you know, you look at Guardiola and you have to be envious, but Pochettino attacks in a similar way to Guardiola. So those automatisms that they call it in football, the, the slightly wanky word that, that technical people in football use, the, the sort of automatic movements, the passes, the triangles, the things that make Man City good to watch, especially in that Champions League match against Real Madrid. Pochettino brings that, and that's what Chelsea absolutely don't have. Lampard is just putting guys on the pitch, picking an eleven, and hoping somebody brings a moment of magic. I mean, we were just hoping Sterling scored on the counter-attack or... Well, maybe Lewis Hall got a good crossing that, that would work on the day. And it was like, you're just hoping for a moment of magic from a player. Um, but football's changed. You don't do that anymore. You need these more sophisticated models that, that Pochettino will bring. And uh, hopefully, and I think the only way is up, but hopefully it'll make a big difference. Again, Lewis Hall is not used to playing down the flank and whipping in crosses. He's used to being in the middle and hitting bangers from the top of the box. All right, go check out Phil and I's dev squad uh, in U18s on, on the Cobham crew. But we're going to take our last break and we get back. Uh, going to talk a little medical injury stuff with uh, now. So thank you to the sponsors and we'll be right back. 
Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with 5,000 plus servers. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened check it out my link nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today all right naz you just opened the door on the medical department uh you kind of broke this one didn't you with benoit bad shield uh we've got up on the website saying that uh he's gonna miss the start of next season in a massive blow four months out with a groin injury is that right yeah yeah it should be um so they think they might need surgery but we're not 100 sure yet but yeah the groin injury is worse than expected so he'll miss pre-season probably miss the start of the season it's uh it's a massive shame but i think that maybe you know it'll be able to handle it because he probably only missed a couple of games maybe and another chelsea have a lot of defenders so hopefully somebody else can step in and and fill in before he gets back. So what's up with the medical department? I've heard a lot of chopping and changing, had an interim person who kind of worked with some professional athletes on the side. Then they brought the person back in who they had sacked. What's your understanding of the medical department? It seems like it's, it's a huge Achilles heel of this team because it has been inconsistent all season with who's there. And I think we've seen more players working personal trainers than ever before at Chelsea. And maybe that's just social media and things like that. But clearly it's, you were talking about the the injury table and things like that. Like we all know it's been a big concern. What, you know, we had the run in the mid two thousands, right? Where Chelsea would go seasons without a soft muscle injury. And here we are, it seems like we have a new one every week. Yeah. I think um, it's been a huge concern this season. Um, I think the owners have, have tried to change every department really uh, in the whole club, but the medical department, they lost or they, they sort of sacked the two most senior guys, the doctor and the head physio. Um, and they've, they've sort of not really replaced them yet. They've got like a sort of consultancy firm in uh, who is sort of doing that. They have got some staff in, some consultants in, some guys from rugby, uh, English rugby and things like that coming to, to fill their place. Uh, but just the staff turnover has been been huge, and, and I don't think that it's really settled in yet. The department's not firing on all cylinders. So um, I think that there's some concern about that behind the scenes. And and you look at the numbers, and it sort of bears out as well, um, just the sheer number of injuries. And, and the worst ones are the ones where, like, yeah, you can get injured in training, a bad tackle, you can get injured. But like you said, the muscle injuries... Are, are a concern because they they seem to be preventable. Um, clubs like Man City are playing more matches than Chelsea, and they've got everyone fit except Nathan Ake. And Chelsea have got people falling over left, right, and centre. Um, the other issue is um, sort of the re the the re injuries that we've seen. We've seen Reese James come back and get injured, and and that's that costs you actual points when a player of that caliber comes back 
after a two-month injury layoff and gets injured in his first match back, that costs you points. Wesley Fofana had the same as well. Um, I think Reese James's personal trainer came out and complained, uh, sort of did a cryptic post that we, it's a genre of content we have now, somebody does cryptic post, um, which sort of was criticising Chelsea's return to play protocol. So those are kind of concerns. And then now we've got Baddy Ashile added to the list, quite a bad injury. We don't know um, really if that's anything to do with the medical department. It would be just speculation, but the sheer numbers are a cause for concern. Um, so overall, uh, yeah, I think it's an area, you know, Pochettino said, uh, sorry, and Potter said that, um, you know, he admits that things aren't quite right and that that needs to be looked at. You need to improve on that, those records. And and yeah, Chelsea are going to try and improve on that and, and they need to because you, you can't imagine how many points this has cost Chelsea this season. It's um, It really will be concrete and it's a huge factor. And, and when the players come back from injury as well, they're tactically not available. They're tactically not in tune with the team. They need time to get match fit as well. So that just disrupts the whole thing. And it's been part, it's been a huge part, actually, I think, of the, the picture of, of Chelsea's failed season is this injury crisis, this constant, constant injury crisis. Um, so I think Chelsea needs to get on top of it, really. And and yeah, when Lampard's saying that you can't compete with Brighton because they're they're physically dominating you on a pitch over 90 minutes, it's, it's not good enough, is it? So need to get that sorted it's uh, urgent really well again i would just say a lot more information on naz's article about benoit on the on the website so go check it out there um kind of what you said you go in more depth because I, I i gotta i gotta ask now summer's coming july 1st transfer window it's gonna be open a lot of us fans are a lot more worried about who's leaving than coming in you know i feel like overall i've got a pretty good squad i think chelsea with you know the right buy-in the right manager some things like that i think there's a couple key areas no doubt that we need to fix got to figure out what's going on with the goalkeepers i think figuring out uh what's going to go up top as a striker needs to happen but like where how how are you sensing this summer is gonna is gonna stack up any concrete departures any concrete links of things coming in if i see vlavic for 80 million euros i'm going to lose my absolute mind um i'm hoping that's just all too soon to to really be concrete but you know, there's a little bit of smoke out there about Chelsea looking to sign players in the transfer window, which is crazy to me. We have we have the most bloated squad ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's going to be way more about sales. Everyone I've spoken to, um, you know, close to the club, in the club, whatever, it's just saying it's about sales, especially initially. Um, there's kind of like a little bit of a soft deadline of June the 30th as well to get players out. Chelsea need to pick the right ones. I think you kind of raised concerns that. If Chelsea sell the wrong ones, you could be regretful. And Chelsea just played against Man City, who have De Bruyne, who I think is widely regarded as a Chelsea regret for obvious reasons that he's world class. So um, that you know, selling him was maybe a mistake. So it's trying not to do that, right? It's trying to get the right ones out as best you can. I think Chelsea's kind of plan is the older guys who have got less time on their contract. They're pretty much going to go. I mean, you look at somebody like Matteo Kovacic, who's one of the captains, don't forget Chelsea, but Chelsea barely made any efforts at all to renew his contracts and he's got one year left. So it kind of shows you that, and it's not no slight on Kovacic. I'm sure everyone, everyone at Chelsea absolutely loves Kovacic. He's a great pro. I know he's not playing well, but great pro, um, potentially great. He's got great, you know, Man City are interested in him. So um, it shows you he's a good player, right? Um, but it's just a sort of admission that certain players need to go. Um, 
And then the good thing about selling players as well, and it might seem a bit bittersweet because you you got to love Kovacic, scored some great goals, had some great moments, won some trophies for Chelsea, but you know, you've got to create space for the other ones to grow, right? And we talked about Hall earlier. That's how you create space is sort of slimming down that squad and, and making room. So it's about picking those guys. Um, it's going to be, you know, like ZH has one year left in his deal. They'll try and sell him. But in in the January window, they had a chance to loan into PSG and they ran out of time. So I think the, the difference is now is that Chelsea are actually going to put in the time and effort to properly get these players out. Um, people like Aubameyang might leave for free. Um, they might try and get fees in for ZH. You know, clubs might try and get them for cheap off Chelsea. You know, we know Loftus-Cheek has major interest from AC Milan. AC Milan are not likely to pay a big fee for Loftus-Cheek, but it will all be profit on the account. So um, these are the kind of options Chelsea have. And it you kind of have two options as well in that you can sell to a rival and make more money or, you know, a Premier League rival or you can sort of sell them abroad and make less money, but at least they're not playing against you every week, or you might not be as embarrassed if they do well. So there's kind of those two considerations as well, is like, who do you sell them to? That's a big thing that Chelsea are going to have. I mean, I remember Conor Gallagher had a bid from Newcastle on deadline day in January, and Chelsea didn't accept it or didn't even reply to the bid because they didn't want him to go to a European rival. Chelsea were competing for Europe at that point. Um, and they, they were ready to let Gallagher go to Everton, um, but not to Newcastle. So it kind of shows you where, what Chelsea are going to be like a bit this summer. Um, and I, and also then you've got Pochettino thrown into the mix, who I'm told he actually likes Gallagher. So Chelsea might be ready to sell Gallagher, but is Pochettino going to negotiate to keep him? There's there's all these moving parts. It's going to be fascinating. Without a doubt. We'll, we'll definitely have to see. Obviously, I'm going to ask about the goalkeepers. Uh, I Kepa can tell me how great of a season he's had personally, but I still watching Man City's backup making me go, wow. I, I almost I think we'd take him right now. And it just it just goes to prove that there's levels to the game. Uh, you know, and in this season, I'm happy for him, but not for the team. So Mendy seems to not be interested in signing his contract extension. Do you feel like one of those two will be gone this summer or they're still going to have to ride it out and continue to try to figure out what to do next season? Yeah, I think it's way more likely that Mendy leaves than Ed, uh, than Kepa just because I think Mendy will have like, way more offers. Um, it's because his wages are a lot more accessible, so overseas clubs can afford him. Um, I don't think any club will pay Kepa what Chelsea are paying him, and that's the problem. And it's always been the problem. Chelsea tried to sell him in almost every transfer window except in the last year pretty much so um yeah it's it's kind of like he's seen as like inaccessible like the only clubs that can buy Kepa uh probably like the five richest in England Real Madrid um and PSG and I think that's it like on on wages so and they're not going to give him that sort of role none of those clubs will make him number one but I think Mendy will get those offers um so yeah I think Mendy will be sold Chelsea will have two strong goalkeepers next season competing um, and I think that'll be the way they go. So, yeah, I think they would be happy to sell Kepper. I know that some people have written that, but I just don't think it's realistic, so I haven't really written about that subject. So, um, yeah, I think Mendy is getting big interest already, and, and Chelsea don't want to make him. I don't think Chelsea want to build the, the goalkeeping role around Mendy. You know, he's not played. Um, I think Chelsea feel ready to let him go, and I think Mendy is also sort of ready to go. So, um yeah, I think it's kind of just a natural development. It's not no one's got any beef with anyone else. It's just sort of what's happened. 
All right, home run time, Naz, for you, or whatever they call it when they hit it out in cricket. Um, Mason. Yeah, I think Mason, everyone wants him to stay, right? But you've got to get the deal done. The only thing that might help is Pochettino, but it's not looking too good right now. Um, But it really would take, like, Pochettino making a big effort, the owners making a big effort, giving him kind of what he wants to an extent. Do we know um, what he what he's asking for? What the impasse is? Um, there's loads of aspects to it. Like financially, you look at Reese James, probably a benchmark, two hundred fifty thousand pound a week. Um, Mount's two time player of the year, so he's probably got some claim to that. Some fans would disagree. He's the most polarizing player going, um, but you know, there's there's an argument for that, right? Um, and then. And then certainly there's there's loads of other things like Mount's always in commercial adverts for Chelsea, like making money for Chelsea. They use him all the time because the old contracts under Abramovich, you could do unlimited commercial. But now Mason, I guess he wants to control his image rights a bit um, and sort of, you know, get hold of that. So a lot of players, a lot of the new players like Enzo has sort of, you know, options to do that as well. So kind of those are the negotiations there's loads of sticking points and length of contracts as well so there's many many uh aspects to it and, and don't forget also all the players are getting a 30 percent pay cut because they're not in europe this season or many players so that's another factor like it, where does he rank in in sort of non-qualification for europe so there's loads of those little clauses that need sorting and, and it's just not gone well uh, hmm. the negotiations so far and it's about relationships right and the, the, they're not they're not they've not been going very well at the minute all right um scale out of one to ten ten mason's gone absolutely never see you again one he's absolutely staying where do you kind of land on the scale right now as as of today caveat as of monday the 22nd of may in the early hours in the u.s I think six, but also there's a third option where he stays, but he doesn't renew. And I think nobody's written about that. And I've tried to write about that in my pieces. And, and there is a third option, which is kind of an irritating option. But also it's an option that Pochettino, I think, would be comfortable with. He'd fight until the final minute, I think, to try and keep Mason. So don't discount the third option. Oh, but that's such a financial risk. All right. I, I totally understand that, Naz. You're the man. Way to be on top of all this. Uh, we'll have to get you back on, continue to do it. I'm super excited to see you in a couple months as well, stateside. We'll make sure to take care of you as always. Um, but yeah, keep up the good fight. Check it out. Naz, links in the description. A ton of stuff over at the Standard Sport. Uh, go check it out. His articles are for free. Uh, just need a little login account. But anyways, Naz, keep it up. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, you know, in the WhatsApp for your Man United, uh, Chelsea, the London is blue Naz Derby on Thursday. Yeah, we're nearly there as well. So let's get over the line. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, have a good one, everyone. Chelsea fans, more content coming at you. So until next time, you need to do keep the blue flag flying high.